Shalom and welcome to the Vibe of the Tribe podcast from JewishBoston.com. I'm your host, Miriam Ansman, and I'm here with my co-host, Dan Seligson. Hey, Dan. Hi, Miriam. I am excited today to talk about season two of Amazon's The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. And if there's one thing I think about when I watch this show, it's parenting. In <laughs> fact, it's such an important take on parenting that we decided to bring Jewish Boston's parenting reporter, Kara Baskin, here to talk about this season. Hi, Miriam. Hi, Dan. How are you? I'm great. We are so excited to have you here and sort of modulate Dan and I. Uh, we have some opinions, so we're glad to have a third person Me on the too. podcast. I'm yeah. so glad to have somebody to talk about this with. So before we start, for our listeners, uh, this podcast episode will be absolutely rife with spoilers, so be aware of that if you haven't seen season two yet. And just like Midge's killer stand-up act, this episode will contain some adult language, so be forewarned. Okay, so to quickly recap, the first season of The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel had incredible buzz around it. We published so many pieces about it on Jewish Boston. I did one. How many I, did you do? Oh, probably three yeah. at least. Yeah. <laughs> People really have strong feelings about this show one way or the other. And then at the Emmys this year, the show cleaned up uh, Best Supporting Actress for Alex Bornstein's Susie, so deserved, Outstanding Writing for a Comedy Series, Directing for a Comedy Series, Outstanding Lead in a Comedy for Rachel Brosnahan, Outstanding Comedy <laughs> Series. So seriously, just, just... Nothing for Tony Shalhoub? Oh, gosh. I don't... He deserved it. I don't know if he did. Huh. He we'll was nominated. We'll I look think. that up. We'll look okay. that up. Okay. Just yeah, because you're right. He should have won. Absolutely. If he did, we're going to check on this. So now the second season is out on Amazon, bingeable now. We've all binged it. So we're going to have some hot takes on the good, the bad, the hats, the fast talking, the trips to Paris, and the Catskills, and those sundresses. And at this time, I would like to gently remind our listeners that no matter how hard this show is trying to make Midge happen as a nickname for Miriam, it isn't and never will be. Thanks for that disclaimer, Midge. Shut up. Miriam. <laughs> Madge. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, so we begin the season. First episode begins with Mitch having been demoted to switchboard operator from the makeup counter at B. Altman. But as per usual, she's excelling at doing that. Um, Rose decides she's sick of Abe never listening to her or looking up from his paper, so she pieces out of Paris to live in a romantic Parisian apartment without a bathroom. Midge and Abe follow her there to try to get her back. Meanwhile, in a much more hilarious plotline, Susie gets abducted by hoodlums, but escapes murder with her quick wit and being a Rockaways girl. So I just wanted to, as we open this, I thought the opener of this episode was the just switchboard incredible. Dance. It was incredible. The energy of the phone room, the way that the camera moves so fluidly across the room, the choreography of the people on the phone, it was just incredible. And I think it set the tone for the season that no matter what we're going we're going to say some negative things uh, but i think the the technical aspects of the show are just remarkable the way it's filmed the way that they choreograph and the the costumes are incredible so um, it all really set the stage for me when this episode started i agree even though my question was <laughs> How did she, so the first scene is her just picking up everybody else's phones because they just can't handle it. And she's zipping around on her, on her wheeling chair between all these people. And I was like, aren't there wires? Right. Wouldn't there be a collision? My question was, isn't she annoying? Like, if you had a colleague like that, wouldn't you be a little yes, bit annoyed so, by her? So this brings up one of my... Which is like a fundamental question right. about her. They seem to ignore her, the fact really. that she's right. annoying. It's they a fundamental question it. about it's, Midge as a character. And I think that this... You know, we're supposed to believe she's marvelous and she could do everything that she wants 
perfectly, including parent without parenting. Um, but yeah, she like does everything without breaking a sweat, not just her own phones, but all these other phones. And these girls are just like in adoration of her. And it's kind of a little nauseating. I'm just going to say it. Like, it's very unrealistic. Like, but the whole episode was very unrealistic. The whole right? show was very the unrealistic. But but these particular, like the opening two, I felt were especially mm-hmm. over the top for the sake of, well, just like getting us right into the season. And, you know, this is what you missed. Here it it also, you know, it, it's a... It's reaffirming that this show exists in an alternative universe where social right. ills are not present. So right. jealousy isn't present no. in this episode. Workplace um, jealousy, not a thing. You know, wires don't matter right. in this episode. <laughs> that one phone can't reach across an entire room. Um, the fact that this is a miserable job but everyone dresses up and looks so thrilled to be Mm-hmm. to be working there. I mean, well, the, she does. Are, That's why she's pulled back upstairs to work at the Kochek because she's the most presentable the, of all the basement girls. She is the most girls. presentable. She is, yeah. But she can never leave the Kochek. But she can never that's, leave that's the Kochek. That's vitally important. Uh, yeah. But like, I, I really would like in season three to see Midge do something badly for once. I would like to just see her get what's coming to her yeah. a little bit. And that just, <laughs> just does not happen yet. knock right? her down a peg. You know? A little bit. Yeah. Have some humility, woman. Have some humility. But so the Paris thing, like yes. speaking of Let's very unrealistic. Yeah. So uh, when I was watching this first episode and I I wrote about this for Jewish Boston, like I think every parent or every person, but certainly every parent, like you've had a long day with your kids and you're like cleaning up the dishes and you're tripping over their toys and you're tired and you're going upstairs to bed. And it's like, wouldn't it be nice just to leave? What would happen if you just got in your car and drove away yeah. and never looked back? And I think yeah. everybody feels like that every now and then. In Mitch's yeah. case, she was never there in the first place. She exactly. has nothing to, she has she no has children nothing. to leave. Well, that's the thing. But so what about Rose? Same. Wait. What do they have to be so upset about? Right. Really? What does Rose have to escape from? It seems like she was escaping mainly from a feeling of not having responsibilities. Like she felt like her kids don't need her anymore. Um, Abe never looks up from her from his newspaper, she's just sort of milling around this huge, enormous house. Mm-hmm. She's got... Um, that sounds pretty good to it me. It sounds amazing. Yeah. And I think of, of all the characters who are removed from reality, she is by far the most. Because, yeah. you know, not only does she sort of... She's shielded from everything that's happening to members of her family that right. is in the slightest bit negative. But she goes to see a fortune teller <laughs> who just affirms everything that she's worried about just right. oh it's going to be fine you know here the tea leaves tell us this and uh, there's nothing that she is exposed to that would seem to cause any amount of stress right li- well, it is it's so hilarious when she gets to paris and when midge and abe show up on her doorstep and they're shocked to discover that she's living in a one room like apartment with no bathroom it's like a shared bathroom down the hall and this is so shocking because the rose that they know would never live like this and she has a dog like <laughs> she's just adopted and she's just living carefree and right. doesn't care about the roaches she never used a bathroom right we don't that comes right. up later in right. the show that she doesn't right. actually go That's to the bathroom right. right so like she just has this shocking change of personality um to i think like it's just it's just so funny cuz it's so different from what they know her and us, the audience. Right. And as. yet, like, being alienated never looked so good. I know. Right? Paris doesn't even look like that. I it know, is not made out true. of baguettes and berets. That is that is true. Yeah. I was there once, and it didn't look like that. I mean, it's beautiful, but. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't the 50s when I was there. 
Right. You but know, the streets are always People don't just suddenly, <laughs> right. <laughs> people just are doing ballroom dancing right. next to this. Right. And I think, okay, so this is the episode where Midge, of course, finds herself on stage by kind of co-opting um, a drag performance. Right. Which she didn't realize was a drag performance. Mm-hmm. But she always makes everything about her. So she finds herself up on stage. How did this happen? And she's just there to give like... A routine, and everyone's like, oh, it's the American girl. She's so amazing. And it's just another, you know, man, no matter where she goes, uh, this country or any other country, uh, they just love Adoration her. follows. They just love her. I think that's the problem just fundamentally with the show, though. Yeah. There's no tension. You can't develop any sort of sympathy for yeah. these characters because you never see them struggle. Right. So any triumph is unearned. Right. Like, Susie. That's interesting. Oh, right. Yeah, that's, so, that's, that's so really true. Point. And like, yeah. Susie, we love. Because, because she she's works earned it. She so works her effing hard. Right. Like she busts her ass to make things happen for right. Midge. But and I mean, yeah. when you think of Midge as sort of like a Joan Rivers yeah. takeoff, yeah. Joan Rivers worked really hard. And I think that, I mean, her husband committed, who was her yeah. manager, committed suicide. And she was a single mother. And yeah. she has had some tough times. Yeah. But there's no payoff there yeah. for it's, Midge because she, what is she rebelling against? I guess, she could do anything she wants. I guess right? it's, I mean, I guess we're supposed to see that she was always funny, but the impetus for her becoming this stand-up comic was Joel leaving her and like that night that she, you know, showed up on stage that that very night that she was um that he said that she, that they were going to separate and, and then she ended up on stage and did this whole thing and that was like the thing that we were sad about. Oh, she got left by her husband. But he's still pining for her. I know. And we're going to talk about Joel. Oh, we're going to talk about Joel. <laughs> we're seeing a lot of Joel this ep- this it, season, right? Sadly. Too much. A little too much Joel. Yeah. Do, do you ever no, find every sense of the word. Yeah. Do, do either of you find that when you watch the show you attempt to apply the rules of normal human existence and mm. normal television yes. yeah. to what happens. For example, Abe comes home bragging about his new job at Bell Labs before he actually gets it. You say, is this going to fall through? Like, right. Because he's he's coming home. Right. Bra- is there karma ever in the right. show? But but there isn't. And, and later on, when, when Midge is challenged to do live television for the first time ever and keep her act clean, which we had never previously seen her do a clean act... Mm-hmm. There was tension in yeah. mm-hmm. in me thinking, "Oh my God, how's she gonna?" Or knock? when her father showed up in the audience, oh right? How she? We're not jumping gonna, a little bit. Sorry. How <laughs> right. is she not going to fuck up these things? And but she doesn't. You you keep waiting. You keep waiting. It's almost a payoff when someone screws up, but you never get it. You never get you it. Never and get that's it. so. Mad Men is one of my favorite shows of that era of all time, and that show is full mm-hmm. of human foibles and little payoffs and triumphs. And I keep looking for that with with this show, and it just does not happen. And and even you know Lenny Bruce, who's and I don't know how season that's three the most is sanitized version of Lenny. Yeah. Bruce so Lenny ever. Bruce was a disaster area, from what I. From what I know about him, he was he was a very toxic mess, and I don't think he lived to be even forty five. Um, so there was a lot of self destruction and and mm-hmm. and these things. And yet, the version of him is just sort of he's like her he's fairy like this, godmother. He's like this debonair comic yeah. who kind of swoops in and out. Yeah, she, and... like he only appears when she needs him the most. Right, it's like he's a magical fairy godmother figure to right. help her. Um, get through tough times in life or come to important realizations about what she should do with her life. Mm-hmm. It's kind of weird. But, you know, I do still enjoy him on the show. So. I enjoy him. Yeah. Okay, let's go on to episode two. So in episode two, entitled Midway to Midtown, Midge gets a gig at a comedy show and gets a little bit of sweet payback after taking some abuse from male comedians who belittled her. Meanwhile, 
back in Paris, Rose and Abe get acclimated <laughs> to Parisian life. This is proven because Abe talks to people at bars while holding a small dog. We hope and pray <laughs> that they'll leave Paris because this shtick was thin to begin with. And spoiler alert, it does not improve. Although I did, I did so enjoy Abe just bullshitting, bullshitting his way through this whole like I'm gonna act like I actually love it here, so that right. Rose will come back with me. It was gratifying to finally see him out of his element yeah. a little bit. Yeah, that was whole, sure. that was really really funny, and he tried. He was trying so hard, and I have to give him credit. He was really he wanted Rose to come back, yeah. and he was gonna act as French as possible. In order to get that to happen, there, there's a. Uh, they seem to have a very good it's, relationship. It's kind of cute, they, I have to they say. They do have a very good relationship. There are a few nights, you know, a month maybe, where they push the beds together. I think they. <laughs> Who they, could ask for more <laughs> after 50 that, years of but marriage? But they, they actually do seem to really, for all their harping at each other and whatever, they do really seem to care about each other. Mm-hmm. And you see that throughout other episodes, like <laughs> when she saves him from having to go to the, like, the luau party at the right we're gonna, we're gonna yeah we'll get there but there's th- you know you can definitely tell that they have deep affection for each other and in one of the subsequent episodes he prevents her from being kicked out of the classes she's auditing um oh she he was ready to violently defend her. right 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 so it, it was very very funny to see him completely out of his element just going with it because he loved her and he was doing his best but this episode also ugh, starts the beginning of the Joel plot lines of this season where the show slows down whenever uh, he comes on screen. I realized I was just like looking at my phone whenever I'm like, oh, it's him again. Hmm." I think that he's the weakest actor in the show. Yeah. And I don't even I don't even blame the actor necessarily, but the character, the character, poorly written. It's poorly written. And and, uh, everything about him is just off. Yeah. He's a drip. He Mm -hmm. really like he's a schmuck. We all know it. I don't know. Image doesn't know it, but like, right. it's just like why we as the audience don't want to spend time with him or his awful family, and we don't understand why she ever decided for, to be with him right. in the first place. Just because it looked right, because he I never made any sense. Comes to from me. a wealthy family. It never made sense to me why she keeps some way going back and well that's the thing that the show is very bad at is those nuanced interpersonal relationships it's all the big bold broad right strokes and nothing like what about him what is it about him that keeps her coming back for more there are certain scenes where he displays a little bit of cognizance about um what very few scenes about what she might be going through <laughs> like how he tells people to basically leave her alone and stop staring when they get to later on in the in the season they get to the resort in the Catskills and so he kind of steps it up there and is like you know this is between Midge and I everybody mind your own business um, but that's not enough to make up for everything he's done and he doesn't even he, like he's just going on and being like when will I be forgiven right and it's just it's just he's just the worst Let's move on to episode Let's three. Let's get the hell out of episode two. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so episode three. And so in episode three, uh, Midge, because she has so much free time, because she clearly doesn't have a secret career or children, um, puts her party planning skills to use to help her friend Mary nab a nicer room at the church for her wedding. And because it's Midge, she ends up grabbing the mic at the reception and just ruining everything and revealing that Mary is pregnant. <laughs> Joel continues the ridiculousness of his plot line. Um, that's like putting his family's business back together and finding where they hid all their money um, using treasure maps. Right. And Rose takes a very interesting art class. 
that's the <laughs> uh, so like I just want to make a quick you're doing it wrong note for the show um, when trying to charm Mary's priest into giving her the nicer room Midge says I'm Jewish when somebody dunks us in water we call a lawyer which just goes to show do the creators of the show not know that Jews do dunk in water there's a lot of kind of shabby research like this with is this show. not a secret like and also the choice of music like they played yeah. A zombie song that didn't come out <laughs> until like 1968. Right at the end. Do, do you Google some... sometimes? I actually, yeah. I sometimes live Google when I when yeah. they do something, yeah. and you know, I actually had to check to see that a defibrillator had been invented when someone, when a some... character mentioned right. the defibrillator. I'm mm. like, did they have portable defibrillators? And at that there's, point? So. and just like a side note, Sophie Lennon lives on yeah. like Third Avenue in a mansion on. Th- yeah. I think it's Third Avenue, but like there are no such houses on Third Avenue. See, I didn't like even check that. that. Yeah, I was reading an article. That said that I fact didn't checker check, right but they do need a fact checker yeah it's just a little bit yeah so this was unusual this was weird and this yeah. was sort of like a holding pattern until they get to the Catskills right. they're like back from Paris and we gotta have like an episode before we get <laughs> to the fun stuff but that is fun the it, Catskills episodes are fun they are so let's go right there okay so episode four quote we're going to the Catskills Thank God Paris is over. It's behind us now. The Catskills is a breath of fresh air, not only for the characters, but for the viewers. And I think season two, if you think of it as defined by three acts, Paris nonsense, the Catskills in New York City, uh, act two is by far the best work that this show has yeah. ever done. Yeah, yes. totally. And and this is where um, I meet my new Jewish superhero, Astrid, who is gold. She is just gold. We're going to talk about Astrid probably more than <laughs> yeah. And- <laughs> We yeah. should, but yeah. she's just fantastic. And I do have more to say about Astrid, but mainly for the next episode. So I'm going to save that. But this is where the show really hits its stride. Like this beautifully choreographed mayhem the show kind of excels at is on full display. There's a dance sequence where Midge is like setting up um, people with each other at the at the right. Steiner um, um, resort. And, and it's like one shot or it seems like it's one shot. And oh my God, the the cardio that Rachel Brosnahan must do for this role—that's right. why I was like, oh my God, I'm just tired looking at it. Yeah, and just talking that fast. I mean, you I can know, talk that God. quickly. But so were the resorts really like that? Do you think? So I, I have been to sort one of, of them. Fantasizing. Okay. Wait, let's ask Dan. He's yeah, it's sort of the them. tail end of the kind of the Jewish golden age of the Catskills. It's amazing. Is it? Kind of it kind of yeah. seems amazing. So I, I went to yeah. one called Neville with my grandmother and my parents uh, and my sister. And um, there were daily activities. You know, the, what, what we see at, at this resort in the Catskills is as soon as they show up, uh, a guy comes and grabs the children yeah. away from the or it's a like child a Jewish away from Disneyland. The, I don't know right. what I don't know what happened to the baby. She they left last the baby we saw in she was in the car. car. They left the baby in the and car. And they said bring it in with the other stuff. But um, Ethan was taken by a camp counselor and never seen again. Right. Um, I was taken by the <laughs> by the youth program, right. you know, director and put in all kinds of contests where like every kid is is entered into some contest and eventually they'll win one of them because, mm-hmm. it, you know, you do not want to make your Jewish parents unhappy saying, no, you couldn't win anything. I won a basketball foul shot shooting contest and I still have the trophy at home and it says oh. Neville basketball shooting champion or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it was nice. I would say probably not as nice as this idealized version. I think the lake they have, have is Jimmy? quite beautiful. Um, yeah, did you have your own personal man? No, we didn't have that. We just had what seemed like a hotel room. 
Um, we didn't have our own cottage with the Jimmy, who was not as good as who was the guy. He wasn't as good. No, at? no, Jimmy was the Jimmy guy. Oh, okay. was the so guy. The, the new guy. You'll never be Jimmy. Never the be new Jimmy. guy never could never pour the right kind of a tomato juice and no. a stock of celery in it. No. Right. Can but, we talk about Abe's drinking? Actually, yes. Oh, it's so funny. Program. Yes, oh, please <laughs> take it away. Go yes, on. I. It was actually nice to see him a little bit. Let loose a little, a little. Let loose and sort of let his guard down a little bit and see a more human side of Abe. However, the unitard oh my God. detour was perplexing <laughs> The to romper. Me. The romper. Look, Joel, up here in the mountains, I do different kinds of things. You drink a lot of tomato juice. Not just the tomato juice. I have a morning routine. Every day before the sun's up, when everyone's asleep, I do my special outdoor calisthenics. I didn't know that. And I wear special clothing. And now that you're down here, you're bound to see me when I head out. Special clothing? A romper, so I wear a romper. What's a romper? It's a one-piece exercise outfit. Oh. Very tight-fitting. And no one has seen me in it, not even Rose. But now, you may see me in it. You should be prepared. Why did we need to see him thrice? In his romper? I, I couldn't see it enough. I mean, Tony Shalhoub I mean, is a hero for putting that that romper, owning it. <laughs> he did the thinker pose in the it romper. It was good. He, I just didn't think fantastic. it advanced the plot, yeah. but it was it was nice to look I at. I think It was funny to look at. Some things with Abe don't advance the plot at all. Yeah. They're just, He's just purely comic relief. for comedic Absolutely. value. And yeah. that romper, while pointless, had a lot of comedic value. And that's what they were doing in the Catskills. They just decided to make us laugh. They didn't really advance the plot too much. And that they was just fine. made us laugh and it worked. Yeah. But I thought that this is where Susie really shined too oh, with her God. plunger. So so Susie shows up because she was like, What? Like Midge is going away for two months to the Catskills? Like we've got shows shows lined up. So she shows up impersonating somebody who Works <laughs> works there, and nobody seems to question whether no, she belongs there or not. No, and later we find out she's not the only person who's uh, making good by impersonating a staff member. So who is the crisscross thing? What is that I, about? Okay, Chester. so I don't know. Yeah, Chester, Chester. Is, is this creepy guy, and I don't know if he shows up in this episode or the next one. But I think he does. Is it this one? Yes. Okay, so he's one, yeah. also not really an employee of um, the resort. <laughs> but what is he doing? But there? what is so like Susie's walking around with a plunger because she figures like no one will question her presence there. But yeah, what is Chester? So I, I felt thought, he was a more scary figure. I did too. And so what I thought was like, this was the subtle nod and the only nod really that the show has given to maybe Susie is gay and maybe really? Chester is gay. And that mm. was like, the, I he didn't was like, know I know. That. That's, but I don't know what crisscross means. Oh, but I, I was thinking oh. he kind of saw something in her. I thought he was saying our paths shouldn't cross because we're both not really employees. Right. We're both pretenders. So here. we don't. Yeah. We shouldn't be at the same place at the same time. So they won't figure it out. I thought that's what that. That's meant. probably the right explanation. <laughs> but I thought crisscross was some sort of lingo. I don't know. Okay. At some point, didn't Susie actually go and attempt to plunge the toilet? No, somebody took her plunger. Right. So, but but she went to Abe's <laughs> and the family's cottage, and actually. Did, did not really? successfully unclog a toilet. I don't that was this mentioned, at all. I think, in the in the final episode. How many clogged toilets are there in the Catskills that she can know. just roam? And also, once somebody had used it, I wouldn't have just put that no, back on my shoulder it. No, again. It no longer can be near your head. Mm-mm. It really can't. No, no. But it is very funny. And the part where she 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 ambushes Midge to tell her that she's there. Like working mm-hmm. on getting her shows, and she inhales some bugs because Susie is not doesn't go out of. She's the a city, city girl, and I related to that so much. 
So I came up to look for a gig for you up here on the off chance. I, I eat a bug. It happens a lot. Oh, it's in my throat. It's still moving. Susie. She's, she's from the just, Rockaways. She's just the best. She's great. She's the only real human she in really, the show. She's so, oh my God, she's so hilarious. She's so relatable. Her struggles are so real. Like, I just feel her on a really deep level. And it makes me wonder, why does she like Midge? And why right. does Midge Why are they friends? You know, they're, it's a very improbable relationship. I guess because they both talk really fast. I guess so. They do. What she's, else do you need? That's, that's <laughs> that a binding cover a lot of ground. Yeah. She's also so incredibly effective yeah she gets mm-hmm. shit she done she gets stuff done she's incredible the way you know her persistence is just I'm like, could i could i be Susie mm-hmm. in the workplace could could we all learn something from the way Susie works she's well, she's fearless phenomenal. she's fearless i mean she she talks her way in the first episode out of being executed <laughs> by two I, mobsters right she will just she can think her way out of any problem um and yeah she goes after these gigs for Midge in a way that, like, I think that that's probably why. Um, she's a better husband than Joel is. Totally. Basically. She's just oh, the best yeah. person absolutely. in Midge's life in terms of getting stuff done. The scene in the bathtub when Imogene comes yeah. in. Oh what did she God. say? I think that a big muffin is yelling at me or something. <laughs> yeah, this is a scene um, before before we get to the Catskills where... <laughs> oh, right. Um, that's pre- this is pre- because Catskills. she's being hunted by mobsters, I guess, Susie um, stays at Midge's apartment for a little bit and it involves some very, very funny mm-hmm. interactions. So I think that was the redeeming characteristic of episode three. Yes. Um, okay, so let's go on to episode five, Midnight at the Concord. So um, unfortunately... Moisha and Shirley, Joel's parents, arrive at the uh, Steiner Mountain Resort, which neither us nor any of the characters wanted. (laughs) Shirley's wearing a fur coat because she's sewn their silver into it. Um, This is also the episode that we see, oh, right, that Susie isn't the only employee posing at the resort. So maybe it's this one that Mm -hmm. she meets Chester. Um, Midge kind of starts dating this guy named Benjamin in this episode, who we'll talk about, and at the end of the episode, she performs a risque set at a hotel before realizing too late that her father is in the audience and the jokes are mainly about him. So um, this episode had a lot going for it. But first, I, I guess this should, was one of the best. This was one. Yeah, this one and the next one. Peak, this was peak basil. The yeah. sixth episode. The next episode is my personal favorite. But this one really sets it all up mm-hmm. so perfectly. Um, but first, we should mention that. Oh yeah, Midge meets Benjamin. This tall. A good-looking doctor. Right. Because their mothers are gossiping in the hair salon. Right. And they're trying to set him up. And his mother says, well, he wants someone weird. Right. And Rose perks up and says, oh, I know someone weird. And and we do, too. And it's Mitch. Um, So initially, their time is a little bit awkward. They, like, are in a boat, but he won't row and neither will she. So that's (laughs) he just tripped around. Um, I didn't understand why that happened, actually. Was it because her mother set it up so they were both Yeah, well, she just walks over, demands to go on a boat with him. And initially, he has the correct reaction to her, which is like, who are you and why are you demanding things of me? And she wanted the entire resort to see them. Together, right. at least so that romantically, right, cruising so that, on this, so that people will oh. know, like her mom will know they tried, they tried, even if it didn't pan out. So, um, but of course, like everybody else on earth, after maybe an initial hesitation, he falls in love with her. Of course, huge shock. How how could he not? Right. So, uh, but the the most important part of this episode is at the end where Midge is performing this set, and it's a midnight set, so it's a mm-hmm. blue set, and it's 
all about her father and mother and their right. sex life. And she looks in the front row and mm. who is there but Abe? In a luau outfit. Right, because he's escaped this luau that he didn't want to go to. <laughs> and thank God Rose rescued him because Moisha and Shirley is there. And then she gives the best line, I think one of the best lines of the season. Shirley tells me you're going to be buried in Israel. Any idea when? And this is like peak snarky Rose, not mm. obnoxious Rose. So I really appreciated yes. that. I mean, six is to me mm-hmm. the highlight episode. That's the Astrid episode. This is the Astrid episode. Um, <laughs> it is. And it contains the funniest. OK, wait. Sorry, Dan. So let me set it up. Blurb. Let me set it, set it up. up, Dan. OK, we have one more. Unfortunately, only one more episode in the Catskills. It's called Let's Face the Music and Dance. And I'm begging them not to leave the Catskills. Please don't leave the Catskills. I'm having anxiety that they're going to leave the Catskills. I'm having so much fun there. Can't summer just last a few more months? And Astrid, never oh change. Astrid owns this episode. This is her, her debutante. Oh, my God. Ball, bat mitzvah, whatever the Poor other Astrid. So Astrid. She, sorry, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, so Astrid wants so desperately to fit in that she's the yeah. Jewiest Jew. But she's surpassed them. I mean, really. She's better than them in she's every better than, possible well, way. So there, there's a scene in a car yes. where, we, right. where we meet Astrid like a couple episodes ago. So this ago. is, this is right. the previous no, no episode um, where they're actually driving Midge back from New York to the Catskills again after she had to blip down there for a hot sec. Um, and they're in the car and Midge she, is in the back seat. Right. And Astrid turns around and is talking to her. So this is the previous episode. Right. And right. I can't remember exactly what she said, but she used she says, the wrong word. Well, she says a Shana Punham, like about Benjamin, I think, or something, which is very cute. And it's not wrong. Right. But, but she said something but, was a mitzvah when she, she meant to say mitzvah, but she said something different. And it was like kind of an inside joke about, oh, the, right. you know, the convert just screwed Except it up. Except she yes. knows everything. And right. let's, she okay. Does know so everything. let's, so She's first let me just set up that Astrid is the, wife of Noah, who is Midge's brother. Um, so this episode contains the realization Abe discovers that his son, not only is his daughter a secret stand-up comic, but his son is in the CIA, <laughs> which compounds his like paranoia and freaked out. Abe's outness. world is falling apart. Everything's falling this apart. Season. Like nothing makes sense to him now. Like he doesn't his, even know. His what... wife's going to Paris. His daughter's there's, a comedian. There's the this is the part that I had to, I actually burst out laughing. So after Abe learns this about his son, he runs into the Steiner beauty salon and Rose is wearing a dry, a huge dryer on <laughs> yes. her head and he tries to rip it off, but he can't do it. And he only has up, turns the knob on high and just like locks her in there. And I just like plots. And then he does this quote. He says, your son is not who you think he is. He is a high level. I don't know what he is. Noah? If that's his name. Of course that's his name. What makes you so sure? We named him. Well, I am not calling him Noah anymore. Until I find out more, I am calling him Son X. It was so funny. I laughed out loud and then I watched it again. And I mean, we just talk about that sneaking up on Astrid when she is at her weakest point is. So, Astrid. Poor Astrid, she's fasting for the holiday of Tisha B'Av, the saddest day of the Jewish New Year, but no one else is no doing it. No one seems it. to care. And because no, and she's so hangry, she just like lights into everybody. You're not eating, Astrid? No, I'm not. I'm fasting for Tisha B'Av. What's that again? It's a day in remembrance of the destruction of the first and second temples, but I guess no one else gives a shit. Astrid. Sorry. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Yeah, you've got a lot to be sorry for, buddy. No, what can I do here, huh? 
guys, stop. These were important fucking temple. And I just love that she loses it and is like schooling them all. But yeah, Rose shows up when Astrid is sitting on the ground with the rabbi, the only the person. The only person. In the and like actually doing right by Dishbaugh. And, and Rose is like plying her with questions about um, Noah's secret Rose CIA. is very cat-like. I, very. She's very sly. And like what's so awkward about this is that on, on Tisha B'Av, we read the Book of Lamentations, which is about um, the mothers of Jerusalem having to eat their dead children to survive. And this is what Rose think it's, thinks it's fine to just like interrupt and be like, hey, well, you know what? Let's talk about some stuff. So it's just like, oh, God. Rabbi never mom. missed a beat. No. You know? he just no, he reading. was just he, he didn't letting He was up. like, you know what? This is what they do. They just talk through everything. <laughs> They don't show up, and if they do, they just but talk. Again, for somebody who cares so much about yeah. her kids, I think that they needed to put those two poor grandchildren somewhere in the like. They what just needed to make what, right. What are you talking exactly. about, parent reporter? <laughs> <laughs> My poor investigation Ethan, concluded us. they're gone. It's, right, but I think that you know, just a little bit. Yeah, every once in a while. Yeah, just to remind us, just to and remind their family that, that they exactly. exist. We get one later. Yes, we, we get an excellent reminder later, and sort of an inside joke to the fact that yeah right oh my god but this episode really was true with the exception of the tishbob stuff which was just like (laughs) "Mm." um oh my god everything about abe finding out about both his children he's got somebody who is so often completely in control and he is losing he's just all control interesting point when i talked to dan about this when i was watching this last week he i was like abe's so controlling and dan brought up the interesting point that Abe actually controls nothing. Abe no, controls nothing except his romper. Right. Because he, he makes it's the his most romper noise. and his tomato juice. Right. I mean, he can't even right. decide how much alcohol to drink. Right. He has a chart. He has a chart, and it's not working and it's for not him. Working. But it's nothing. Is I working think that for Dan, Abe. you're right that he he wants to have all this control, and he thinks that he does. But in reality, he doesn't. He doesn't at all. And this just compounds the problem and really freaks him his out. His kids do whatever they want. His right. wife and just pieced out to Paris. Right. And you know, the people he... at Bell Labs are like, yes, you have the exact same security clearance as the janitor. Right. His job is nothing. His job so is nothing. His students don't show up for class eventually. I mean, it just becomes, his life begins to unravel to unravel yeah. on yes. him and he th- he's just driven closer and closer to the edge in these and it is Catskills episodes hilarious right. like it his is. delivery incredible oh my god and in, in a later episode he comes in and just yells at all his remaining students and it's so great mm-hmm. so Tony yeah Shalhoub is remarkable he is remarkable I just, I just have he to is say, the best he is thing about the best show. absolutely other than Susie. he and Susie, i think are the they best they hold this down yeah absolutely and the joel yeah. the whole joel subplot Ugh. with the cats no and we're not going to talk about that. that. We're ignoring that, pretending he doesn't exist until we have to. Okay, so um, episode seven has Benjamin schlepping Midge mm-hmm. all around the New York fancy art scene in a very rich and insufferable way. Um, the Maisel and Weissman families have a tension-filled Yom Kippur dinner on the anniversary of Joel and Midge's separation, during which Midge reveals her secret career to her whole family. Now that you've heard the summary, and you have, if you haven't watched it yet, don't. You just heard exactly what yeah, you need don't to know. Watch this, episode. this episode will bother you to no end. It's So in addition to the art stuff, which is annoying... I just have a quick list of you're doing it wrong Go on. Um, for this. So this is everything that I've, well, not everything. This is a minimal list of things that are wrong with the Yom Kippur stuff. The scene that we see of them in the synagogue is supposed to be them at the end of Yom Kippur. But they're saying al-chait, 
during Ne'ilah. And Al-Chait is the prayer where they, you know, we hit ourselves over our hearts and give this litany of sins for like, for the sin we've committed before you with immorality, for the sin we've committed before you with disrespect for parents. And then it's said 10 times during the course of Yom Kippur, but it isn't said during Ne'ilah, but I think they put it there for comedic value Mm -hmm. because it's funny to have everybody hitting themselves in the chest and Moshe just talking shit. Like just sitting there and talking shit. Do you think that it's a conscious choice on the part of the writers to be wrong? Or are they just I lazy? Wonder. I wonder. You know, this is a great question. And I, I wonder that There often. are a lot of Jewish actors lot of, on the show. Yeah, not enough, Rachel. Ex- yeah, Sorry. maybe. <laughs> um, uh, but but like, I, also, I, I thought that if there was any highlight of this episode, it was seeing Astrid in short. Astrid was killing it. Astrid was feeling it. <laughs> she had the right spirit. She she brings her whole self. You know to what? Temple. And Baruch Hashem, she was blessed because in this episode we do find out at that dinner we find out that, that the she's Chinese pregnant. paste has worked. That she is pregnant. Yes. Um, so yeah, they just at the end of the um, at the end of Yom Kippur, everybody just runs out of the synagogue <laughs> like to get food and stuff, and like no one. I don't think even they sound the shofar at the end or say next year in Jerusalem or anything that you know. Oh, alert! Ethan sighting. He was eating chocolate. Oh, right, pews. right, right. That's true. So um, we, did, we did see confirmation Ethan is growing children, up to be a serial killer children someday. Exist, yeah. Uh, yeah. Poor yeah. Ethan. So he's, that's kind of like... He's raising himself. He really right. is. He's doing a great job. He is. I think he's a good kid. Uh, yeah. Good so kid. this episode was weird just because like it's supposed to be one full year since the, the you know, sort of... The breakup. The it was breakup, the anniversary the of the anniversary, breakup. Yes. The anniversary right. of the breakup and of, of Midge's first stand-up mm-hmm. gig. And this was the time to, <laughs> to break it to her whole family. And it's just, I don't know. It's so cringeworthy. The only redeeming factor is Astrid. So to age. me, this episode was the closest to a Seinfeld-type setup. Ugh. And I, I really loathe Seinfeld. That for, is my for... Seinfeld sound effect. <laughs> I, to me, Seinfeld was just a room full of people yelling at each other all at once. Yeah. And a lot of people found it funny, but I never did. And I this Yom Kippur dinner was just such typical <sighs> sitcom. It was. Crap. It, it, this show, to me, is elevated TV, but they... they um, I guess they landed. Yeah. You know. They made themselves. <laughs> we know now that they can do better than this. Yeah. Like right. we've seen. The trio quality. of Catskills episodes. Right. Is, yeah, right. They just we left know. the Catskills, which was just so brilliant. And then yeah. they just rely on this. Shtick. This old Exactly. Shtick, it was this, so shticky. Yeah. It really was. It didn't stick with Ugh. me. And all the. Okay. So let's touch briefly upon the art p- a bit of this, which is like Benjamin being an extremely wealthy doctor, mm-hmm. has bought all the famous works of art, apparently, and mm-hmm. they, they go around. And has an abundance of free time. Right. For a very successful, he's, he's busy always doctor. He does like a quick call to check in with right. the hospital just to see. You know how it is. Yeah. If anyone is dying. Is right. anyone dead? <laughs> yeah, just a quick check. <laughs> just a quick um, check. But he takes her around. He's like, oh, my God, look, it's that person and that person. Mm-hmm. And he's just seeing all these famous people. And um, he's, he's really a collector. And I think in a way he's trying to collect Midge, Midge, because she's so ah, amazing. And they meet, they go to this bar and um, they meet this famous artist who I'm blanking on the name of. Um, but he also is like, so Midge walks up to him, wants to get some of his art for Benjamin. Like, and he, this guy never sells his art. So immediately this, this artist is just enthralled with her. And he's like, it looks like you swallowed a light bulb. You're just glowing. And just like, I'm just trying not to puke over here. <sighs> and... Um, like, I really feel like she's just another 
work of art, beautiful thing that Benjamin's collecting, mm-hmm. and it's it's just she's like a hyperactive Audrey Hepburn. Yeah, and she needs to like bring it down. A, she needs a to bring bit. it down a little bit. Just a little bit. Just a little. Yeah. She start. Yeah. She, she bothers would, me. She would be a light bulb, even taken down like three notches. Mm-hmm. She'd still be great, but a little greater. Maybe. Or like, you know, she reminds me of Tracy Flick in Election. Oh my God. <laughs> Whoa, <Pink> Flick. <laughs> yeah. She kind of reminds me of a 1950s That's Tracy very Flick. Funny. Yes. I yes. Love she's that movie. so peppy. Me too. Such a great movie. Me too. But she's, oh, that's goes so... in such a surprising direction in the first five minutes. <laughs> yes. She's she's with an unforgettable line. <laughs> okay, moving on to episode eight. Uh, Midge and Susie take what can only be described as a really shitty car tour, uh, <laughs> which is Midge's first uh, regional tour. I guess mm-hmm. we know that they're in Pennsylvania at some point. Uh, it's real fish out of water comedy. It peaks when they go to a really disgusting motel, and then uh, Midge crosses a line that she did not know existed while she was doing a stand-up routine. Um, One of the things that stuck out to me about this show is that at one point, Midge is so annoyed with her parents that she leaves the table, goes into the kitchen, (laughs) and sits with, wait for it, her children. (laughs) Her mother comes in and says, You can't eat with the children. Why not? They're not used to it. You'll scare them. Will it scare you if I join you for dinner? No. Thank you. Parent reporter. Mm. Over to you, Kara. I eat my I eat my children. <laughs> I eat with my children every day. I mean, I think that they should have written her childless. I really don't think that these two children serve any purpose whatsoever. They're except occasion- to remind it's occasionally, it's occasionally funny. Right? funny. Is that what it's, for? it's just kind of reminds us what an asshole they are. Yeah. It's just like these are selfish people. Yeah. Very right. Seinfeldian, actually. Right. If you yeah. stop and think about it, what's happening to these children is terrible. It's terrible. I just They're raised by whoever is by around. whoever. Wait, who is raising them? Isn't it? Who knows? It's Zelda, Wait, it's Zelda. the housekeeper, it's I guess. Zelda. Which, I mean, it's she puts Zelda the fear of God in the maze. a number so. of Polish maids who work there who and all a few speak And a few people who live in the apartment I, sometimes. We think, so. we think so. I mean, it just accentuates the fact that these characters are written in a very one-dimensional way. Yeah. And I don't think it does anything to enhance the plot. Yeah. They but should will, have written her childless. Yeah. I will say... I Um, Although I do think that they gave her children, just to your point, about her being able to do everything. like. But she can't do everything. Well, apparently she can. Could it be that... (laughs) Until one of them stabs her in the middle of the night. It's going to be Esther. I'm just spitballing, but could (laughs) it be that if she didn't have children, there would be no reason to maintain any ties to Joel and his family? Well, wouldn't we all be better off? Yeah, absolutely we would be, but they they didn't know that while they were making it. We know it now that we've watched it. But if they had maybe put more energy into writing a proper character, it could have just been, you know, the marriage broke up because he couldn't stand her being successful and that would be enough to tether her to him, but instead they just threw mm. these two kids into the mix and they do nothing. I think you might have a point there. But I want to quickly touch base uh, about that horrific hotel scene. Um, and this is another way that I, she's just, Midge is just uh, impossibly peppy. Like they spend the night in this hotel, which is so disgusting. So while Susie sleeps on one of the beds and gets bitten by a bed There's bed a bug. <laughs> stain on the comforter. Like the, yeah. If you yeah. look up, if you look closely at it's, this set, it's, it's disgusting. It's horrible. Um, but Midge wakes up, well, I she didn't sleep, but she she just stood there in the corner mm-hmm. all night. She looks perfectly Unblemished. fresh, beautiful. Hair is not out of place. Just ah, uh, like what is her secret? I guess is my question. And she I guess wakes up at one. three a.m., puts on makeup, and then gets back in bed and lies. She on just like her mother, right? But she they never even up. laid down in that hotel, and that worked mm, out for that motel. True. But so in episode nine, Midge gets her first TV gig 
on a telethon, but gets pushed to the end of the show by a vengeful Sophie Lennon. Uh, but because it's her, she, of course, pulls it off marvelously and makes everyone fall in love with her um, on TV. And I'm not going to lie, she did look amazing in black and white. I actually thought that was mm, yeah. striking, very yeah. striking visually. But yeah, again, that that's really their technical expertise mm-hmm. yeah. that I really, uh, I lost myself in yeah. the show within a show. Yeah. And I was really, I was thinking I was watching I Love Lucy from, right. you know, it, 50s. It, it, it really mm-hmm, looked yeah. so convincing. And and the way that she sounded and the way that she moved mm-hmm. on TV and everything, you know, the way she's picking up the phone and doing these like corny 50s lines, it it totally she was worked in, for she's me. She's a natural. Although totally maybe, oh me. my God, I just had a realization. The first scene of the season was preparing us for that. Oh, interesting. Because Why? Because the first grabbing season is the grabbing the phone. Oh, and then this season. Miriam. Thank you. Miriam, um, you just won. You should be a professor. <laughs> you just won today's analysis. <laughs> and then on this episode, she has she's like working the phones oh. so that the camera will follow her. Um, and of course, she knows how to do it perfectly because that's what she does. Right. Wow. All right. Maybe I'll give the showmakers a, a all credit for just a little credit for that. <laughs> I, and I think I mentioned this before, but it, yeah. it was it was interesting to see, and, and maybe there was a little bit of tension on on the part of the viewer to see whether she could pull off a clean act. Yeah, I was on nervous. Live television. I was nervous. And they kept pushing her back further and further in, mm-hmm. into the night, and then you're thinking, okay, well, she's going to think, you know, it's it's midnight. I can say whatever I want, and right. on live TV, she's going to do something just outrageously awful, but. Of course. Of course not. She's perfect. Perfect. And everybody stayed up to watch. Oh, except she violated one rule, which is not to be political. But of course, she said vote for Kennedy, which is the perfect thing to say. Right. Everything is great for her. Congratulations, Midget. Pulled it off again. (laughs) All right. Moving on to the season finale. So I guess a character describes what happens to animals when they die. They lie flat on their backs. They call it tits up. And I think... The term tits up is used throughout the show as what Midge and Susie say to each other every time before she goes on stage. Uh, at one point, she's, Midge says it to Lenny Bruce before he goes on stage. It's sort of their inside like, thing. <laughs> but it, it's not a positive thing. It actually means that something just kind of died or petered out. And I think it also is to put her tits up. Yes. I, yes. There, there's, yeah. So there's there's two meanings. There's definitely two meanings. And, and I think... Um, this final episode really sort of, uh, you know, it ended in a way that Ugh. you just said, Jesus, what? Really? Yeah. Come on. So she's invited to go on a six-month tour opening for a famous musician who saw her on TV, who was there at the telethon. So, of course, this worked out perfectly. Right? And, of course, she said yes. And, of course, she said yes. She didn't think about it She twice. doesn't have any responsibilities. She doesn't have children. No. She didn't just get engaged. Right. So not. she's just gotten engaged to Benjamin, who had to provide Abe with, like, 12, 25 <laughs> uh, references. Poor Abe is so insecure like, at this point. Benjamin is trying so hard yes. to, like, to, to, to land this right. girl, yeah. um, this amazing, and he... He tells her how amazing she is all the time and how marvelous. As if she didn't and know. And she says like, it back to him, too. And she's like, I know. And I'm just like, shut up. Um, <laughs> right. So so she decides to go on tour. And what does this mean? Oh, well, she can't get married to him. And because she didn't even think about him to begin with before saying yes. And right. also because for some inexplicable reason, she decides to have a one night stand with Joel. And that's how the season ends. She doesn't want to be alone. 
for that one so night, right? Freaking the dumb. worst thing that could happen Ugh. is if she gets back together with Joel. Because he oh, obviously God. has syphilis. No one is rooting point. for that. I mean, he's <laughs> no, he is a slappable he character. Is. Nobody wants him back. And he's been just sleeping his way through the entire season. <laughs> it's just actually pretty funny. Like, how are any of these women interested in him? But whatever. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, can she just have a heart for Benjamin? Poor Benjamin. Can't she just get dumped and like go on some bad dates? Like Joel That's what I, I is a like, shitty person. He is. Why? And she's like, I just want to be with somebody who loves me. Well, apparently everyone loves you. So you could have gone right, exactly. anywhere. You can do whatever you <laughs> right. want. Right. So there's no payoff at the end of the season. Right. It's like, you know, this is unearned. And I it was just like, unearned. this is how it ends? Right. I was. So let's, let's finish on a well, no, let's finish on, let's go to the low lights and then go to highlights. Okay. What do you think? Good okay, idea. We're, in, we're in our speed run now. Yeah, we're, we're already talking about Joel. So these are the low lights low right lights. here. The continued adoration of Midge, everyone who is an Astrid, <laughs> not understanding Judaism. Joel, I mean, these are my big. Uh, the city mm. of Paris. Yeah, the city of Paris. Joel in an undershirt in his squalid childhood bedroom. I don't need yeah. to see it. No. Yom Kippur breakfast. Ugh. Absent children. Yeah. Absent children for sure. And then let's talk about some highlights. Okay, Susie and the gangsters. Susie in a bathtub. Susie in the plunger. Susie at the end of the year, Catskills uh, musical. Oh my God. Shaking her boobs. Yes. And also she was pretty ripped. She was. I noticed that. I was like, damn, Susie. She was great. Um, And also the part where they think that she's gone missing and they send the entire staff (laughs) of And they give her the lentil soup. And oh my God, that is the most endearing thing. That was very endearing. Oh, and the comedy club manager wishing that Midge looked like Mamie Eisenhower. (laughs) You're not Mamie Eisenhower. (laughs) I I love the way that Susie and Midge are becoming one being when they speak to each other. Mm -hmm. Right. And their language has become incredibly foul and it's just wonderful to watch yeah and here. yes and listen to i've learned a lot of swears and yeah. abe i mean anything involving abe. abe even his even romper. his romper yeah just abe generally and also i just have to give a shout out to the yellow dress that midge wears when she first shows up at steiner that thing is oh freaking stunning very geometric and structured and, and they show it again in the last yes. episode where we see her closet which i don't know if we saw oh. last time but it's not a closet it's a whole room in the house of course it is stunning. so i i think the other thing i want to i i have to um give props to the choreography oh yeah again. oh absolutely it, so it went like from a... the, the phone room it went to a dance hall it went to um car ho- or bellhops unloading cars mm-hmm. at yeah. steiner it was just beautiful to watch yeah. this mm-hmm. like how many times did they rehearse they this? How did everyone figure out? That oh. one shot where they're rearranging all the furniture in their cottage. Incredible. And they throw the couch out. It's oh, incredible. yeah. That's a one shot. Mm-hmm. It's incredible. It's stunning. And, really I, and I, that's one thing I cannot wait to see how they top it. Because right. it seems like every season they're doing one new thing that just blows you blows, away. Yes. Yeah. The cinematography was beautiful, but the choreography I was I think that's actually part of why it's hard to watch Joel in that like dull, He's, grim yes. factory because yes. it's not bright and it's not choreographed and it's messy and it's dingy. Just it's like, like very unmazel. Yes. Yeah. Just like him. Ouch. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Kara, I just want to thank you for joining us and thank talking you. Maisel with us. Anytime. Thank you. Well, yeah, we'll, next year around this time, we'll do yeah. season three, right? Well, yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. We'll Make do season three. See you here. Yeah. Same time. Yeah. <laughs> um, listeners, to make sure you don't miss an episode of Jewish Boston's The Vibe of the Tribe podcast, make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, SoundCloud, or Stitcher, and follow at Jewish Boston on social media. Thanks, as always, to our editor and mascot, Jesse. Happy New Year, everybody. Hello and welcome oh my to the- God. Oh my God. Jesus H. Christ. <laughs>
Yeah, why don't you do the intro ever? <laughs> I, wa- I want to sound like one of the characters, so I'll just... Ugh. I'll make my voice sound very Jewish by modulating... <laughs>